I had in my head at the time that my value as a husband and a father was totally tied up with the amount of money I made, right? So if I made more money, my wife would love me. If I, and my children would love me. If I didn't make any money, I was a complete failure and they wouldn't love me. You're listening to Joshua Boswell, whose success story as the loving head of a large family and highly profitable copywriting business personally inspired me to pursue the field of copywriting nearly 15 years ago. Soon after, I met Joshua, who became both a friend and business mentor to me. I credit much of my early business success to Joshua, so definitely listen up to this episode because Joshua is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm excited to interview my friend, and my personal mentor, Joshua Boswell. I'm going to let Joshua share his story in just a minute, but I do want to share a little background so you can understand how Joshua came to be a person that I looked up to as a newbie freelance copywriter, because like me, Joshua is the dad of a large homeschooled family. He's a person of faith whose faith is important to him. And when I first learned of Joshua, he was already a full-time writer, providing a great income for his family, just like I wanted to do. And I had read about Joshua's story, the same one I'm going to ask him to share with you in a moment. And I really, really wanted to meet him. As a matter of fact, I expected to see him at the first live writers event I ever attended. That was the 2007 AWAI Copywriting Bootcamp down in Delray Beach, Florida. And as soon as I spotted Joshua, this guy is standing innocently in the back of the room with his wife. And I accosted him and introduced myself like a big fanboy and just said, hey, Joshua, I got I to meet you. And I knew of other big names in the industry, but for me, Joshua Boswell was my writing hero. And long story short, Joshua very graciously, personally helped me get started on my own successful writing journey. And I'm thrilled to finally have him on as a featured guest of Solopreneur Success to share how writers can turn from a starving artist life to living a life that's fulfilled, well-paying, and a lot of fun. So Joshua, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. And I uh, I remember that day when you uh, jumped on me and I was just pleased to have a fanboy. And you know, <laughs> I just thought, here's a fellow soul that I can just relate to. And it was a great thing. And we've got a great friendship ever since. And I have, I got to tell you, I have been just amazed at your journey and what you've done and how you've you know reached out and built your business and connected the dots. And now you're doing this show. I mean, you just have done great things. So it's an absolute pleasure to watch you and to see your growth and to see that you've done. And I, and I got to say one other thing about you. One of the things that I prize the most about you is your incredible devotion to your family, which, of course, is near and dear to my heart. I just wanted to say half off to you for that. You've been able to hold together your family, prioritize them, and still build your business and uh, make money. And a lot of people just can't do that. And you've done it. So congratulations. It's really cool. Well, thank you, Joshua. You are definitely an inspiration to me. You haven't always had it easy, though. You certainly had your struggles early on, and you've been a business person for a long time. I would love, and a lot of people that I know in our circle of writers might know your story, but there's a lot of people listening to the show right now who have no idea who is Joshua Boswell, what is the story, and it's an amazing story. Can you kind of get us, maybe walk us through 
what led you into writing and what were you coming out of when that all started? What took place? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And I, I'm going to start back before I got into business, before I was married, before anything. Because to understand my story, you really have to go back to 1992, 93. And uh, when I was in the Netherlands, living there. I lived over there for a couple of years. I was a missionary for my church. And toward the end of that, was a two-year service. Toward the end of that service, I was walking down the road with my buddy, and he turns to me and says, hey, when you go back to the States, what do you want to be when you grow up? And in that moment, I had this flashback to a childhood memory when I was 11 years old, and we were driving this Chrysler LeBaron station wagon with the imitation wood family. I don't know if you remember those old Chrysler LeBaron. Oh, yeah. They had the jump seats in the back so you could sit backwards and look out the back window. It's pretty cool. So my mom had pulled over the side of the road and I'd almost run into my dad. And my dad was hobbling down the road. He'd been in a he'd been hit by a drunk driver. And so he had he was missing one leg, he had one fake leg, and was hobbling down the road. And about an hour before they had gotten into a huge fight, huge fight. And my dad had stormed out of the house. Eventually, my mom, after crying hysterically for a while, picked herself up off the floor and said, we're going to go find your father. And so we all filed into the station. I went driving around all these neighborhoods, finally found it down on this busy street. She jumped out of the car. And for just this brief moment, I thought they were going to kind of kiss and make up. right? You know, But they did. They just started that hammer and nail right there on the side of the road. I just remember as an 11-year-old kid in the background, I didn't understand the parents. I didn't understand you know, what they were going through or what they were doing as adults and all the complexities now that I understand so much better what my dad was going through, what my mom was going through. But I didn't understand all that. At that moment, the one thing that I wanted more than anything else was my daddy. And I just remember as an 11-year-old kid, just my head was just screaming over and over again. I just want my daddy. Dad, just get back in the car. I just want my daddy. And after, I don't even know how long they sat on the side of the road fighting with each other. And finally, my dad spun on his heels, walked down the street about 150, 200 yards to this T intersection that was there. And he took a right-hand turn. There was a McDonald's sitting right on that side of the road. And I watched him walk behind the McDonald's and then disappear from view. And my mom stood outside for a few minutes, got back in the car, cried for a few more minutes, started the car. We drove down to that intersection, and she took a left-hand turn. And that was the last time I saw my dad for over five years, wow. for over five years, and during a really critical period of time. And I tell you that story because if we, if we fast forward back to the Netherlands, there I am on the side of the road, and this, my buddy's asking me what I want to be when I grow up. And I remember that moment in time, and I thought to myself, all I want to be when I grow up is a great husband and a great father. That's, that's what I want to be. I just want to be a, I want to be a husband, and I want to be a daddy. And this formulated, this etched inside my mind, inside my heart, this, this idea that I had about the kind of life that I wanted to live. And it basically summed up like this. It was the life of, I wanted to be able to work from home so I could spend time with my children. Well, first of all, I wanted to find an amazing woman to marry, right? I wanted to have a whole bunch of children. I wanted to work from home and I wanted to make enough money and have time to be able to spend that money. I wanted that time and money equation. And as I came back from Europe, I tried a lot of things. I, I jumped into Amway, did multi-level marketing for about five years and poured my whole heart and soul into that. I, I dreamed that I was going to be the Amway king in all of the North America. It didn't quite work out, but I jumped in from that. 
and uh, started another business where I tried to do some public speaking and sales training, and that didn't work out that great. And then my brother and a friend of mine, three of us, started a company where we did technology stuff. We built websites, and these were websites in the late 90s that were database-driven, which then was crazy because all websites were static. These were data-driven. It was very innovative. That company collapsed through a series of really odd events that were tied up with September 11th. And then I went into that. From there, I went into politics and worked on doing fundraising for political campaigns. And that went okay. And then I went into building a nonprofit, a company doing fundraising for nonprofits. And this is really where my story of becoming a writer picks up. And this is about, well, this is good 10 years into my marriage. And so if you notice the pattern, right? So my dream was I really wanted to have a great marriage. I wanted to have a large family. At this point, we had six children. But I wanted to work from home, which I had done through all those different iterations of stuff. And I wanted to make a whole bunch of money, which I hadn't done <laughs> at that point. Like, I, I had, we scraped by for 10 years pretty bad. And then I finally had this opportunity to do this other project and uh, build these do fundraising for nonprofit companies across the United States. And I put that company together and I borrowed a bunch of money. In fact, I took out a, I got an investor who gave me a, a loan, basically an investment, but I signed a personal guarantee that I would pay him back all the money. And I, I remember the day, I remember the day I took the agreement to an attorney and he said, I would never, ever sign this. This is a really bad idea because it put me in debt, $200,000 of personal liability. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, when you're not making that much money and you're scraping by and the family system that I came from was, hey, if you make $50,000 in a year, you were rich. That was the family dynamics that I came from. And so here I was signing away $200,000 to this investor. And that company, I won't tell you all the details, but that company collapsed. In the wake of that, it left me a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt, left me uh, liable to a bunch of employees for their last pay and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I went into a pretty heavy tailspin. And it was right about that time, that was in December of 2004. And in 2005, in the spring of 2005, I got a letter from AWI that said I could retire that year and still make more than most doctors. Now, I was particularly vulnerable. I was really interested in you know, some opportunity that I could still find to fulfill my dream of living at home working at home and making a whole bunch of money until I have time and money to spend with my family. And here's this letter saying I could retire and make more than most doctors. Oh, baby. I was like, <laughs> I did my due diligence. I did my research. But that was the first time I had ever heard that there was actually an organized industry called copyright. Never, even in all the circles that I had run in before, I'd never even heard that term before. I'd heard about writing fundraising letters and some other stuff, but copywriting, hadn't heard of. So long and the short, and we can backfill a bunch of whatever details you want in here, but long and the short of it is I dove into that world pretty hard. And that was in April. In June of that year, 2005, I went to an event with a guy named Bob Bly. And Bob ended up becoming one of my mentors. I was a big Bob fanboy. I was like, <laughs> if Bob was writing it and Bob was saying it and Bob was doing it, I was there. And I, I borrowed... First of all, because I was so far in debt with no income, I borrowed the, at the time, the first installment of their program, AWI's program, was about, I think it was $49. And I had to borrow that from my brother. Because at the time, just 
the real interesting backstory is, is our food supply consisted mostly of rice and oatmeal. And when we wanted a little bit extra, we got help from local community organizations and from church, a church group, and who helped provide some stuff. And um, we were very blessed. We were always take, we always had enough. I wouldn't say we had luxury, but we were always blessed. But it was just amazing what happened in that period of time. But long and short of it, I brought some money from my brother. I got the first installment. I realized I wanted another. I brought another $300 from my brother to finish getting the rest of the program. I started reading through it. And I got an offer from AWAI to go to this event with Bob Bly. Well, I had to fly down to Florida and get a hotel. The whole thing ended up costing about 5000 bucks. So I borrowed, I called up my father-in-law, who had watched me for 10 years go through all these failed, failed, failed businesses. No, the terrific said, track record of Joshua Bozo, right? <laughs> amazing track record. It was like, hey, I'm here. So I came to him and said, hey, so dad? Hey, Lanier, like, I know I've got a really good track record. Can I borrow another $5,000? Because he had helped us out before, right? This was not good, man. This was terrible. And uh, so I went to this event with Bob, and I realized, I thought, you know what? I can do this. I can make this happen. I pieced together a website. I pieced together some marketing materials, and I started making cold calls. And I called, and I called, and I called, and I called. And I and I by the time I got my website done and everything, this was in August of that year. In August, September, October, November. November, I got my first client of any significance and got a little bit of money uh, coming in there. That was about I think I made two thousand dollars that month if I remember right. And you know, which is like remember we're we're just running on vapors. In December, December was awesome. December. I closed the deal with a major financial newsletter publisher, and they put me on contract, $5,000 a month retainer. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. That was, geez, that was $60,000 a year. I blew my brain, right? And they would pay it every single month as long as all I had to do was write one sales letter for it. That was that one sales letter, five grand a month. And I wrote the first sales letter, and they hated it. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and, they, uh, and they they sent it back, and they said, I remember they sent me examples. They're like, look, here's examples of stuff that's worked. Get close to this, and it, it will be fine. And uh, so I wrote the second draft, and they hated that. And they got on the phone, and they walked me through step by step. Like, this is the pattern that we want you to use. And I tried it again, and I bonded again. And by December about the 10th or 11th, they canceled the contract. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so I went from total euphoria to complete and total meltdown. I was, I got to be honest with you, if there's ever been a time in my life when I felt like I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and felt like, like probably clinically depressed and very, just very messed up in my head, I questioned a lot of stuff about, God. I questioned a lot of stuff about me. I questioned my whole value. I had in my head at the time that my value as a husband and a father was totally tied up with the amount of money I made, right? So if I made more money, my wife would love me. If I And my children would love me. If I didn't make any money, I was a complete failure and they wouldn't love me. And I, I had watched some serious, pretty marital issues. And so there were heavy marital issues in my life from other relatives and from my parents. And I was scared to death, Steve. Like I, I really probably, I don't want to make it bigger than what it was, but it was pretty serious. 
And I went through all of December. We had six children at the time. We're homeschooling. My wife was completely frazzled. Our first six children had been born before our oldest was seven. So I give you an idea about what she was going through physically and, and emotionally. And with financial stress on top of all that, too. So we moved, we moved down to Utah to get closer to some family so she would have a little bit of help, which I borrowed money for the move, by the way. If you're wondering. Of course. <laughs> what's, what's the like, point of like, <laughs> What else do you do, right? You, just, you, borrow, you borrow. So that put me even further in debt. But we had, we, I had to do something to help my wife. And I remember the day my sweet Margie came into where I was poking around trying to do something. I, I really wasn't doing anything. I was staring at my computer all day. And this was after we moved. And she said, honey, I want you to do something for me. I said, okay. And But the niche I was focusing on at the time was in uh, the technology sector. I'd switched from financial to technology because I had bombed the finances so bad. I was like, I got to try something out. So I was focusing on marketing on technology software companies. And I wasn't really doing anything. She said, I want you to do something for me. She said, and I'm telling you this part of the story. And I want all the listeners to pay very careful attention here because a lot of times what happens is, and maybe you've been there, you get into, your brain gets stuck and fixated on a certain thought. And mine was, I don't know if I can be a writer. You know, I got blacklisted by this company. They hated my stuff. I don't know if I'm a good enough writer. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And, and you go, anyone listening to this, some of you have been there where you have just massive amounts of doubt and wonder, like, will this ever, will anything ever change? Because we have been poor for over 10 years. And now I was poorest point of my life, both financially and spiritually, right? And emotionally, I was like in the bottom of everything. So I just want you to recognize the pattern about what's about to happen here in this story, because it represented a major transition for me. And so let me tell you the story, and then I'll tell you about what the transition, I hope you hear from it. So Margie came into my office and said, hey, I want you to do me a favor. Will you do some research and tell me how many technology companies there are in the United States? And I was like, what does that have to, why, what does that have to do with anything? Who cares, right? She said, just do it for me. I said, all right. So I did it. And it was like 280,000. Wow. So I came back to <laughs> and I said, there's like over a quarter of a million technology companies just in the United States. And she looked at that and she looked at me and she said, honey, do you think that of those 280,000, every single one of them will tell you no? And I was like, that just seems not very probable. She thinks, do you think that you could figure out this writing thing? At some point, some of them would say, you, say yes to you and that you could write for them and make some money for us. And, you know, when she, when she told me that, it had a profound impact because I realized, number one, all the negative stuff I had been thinking was all lies. It wasn't really true. It made this presupposition that I was never going to get better at writing, that nobody would ever say yes to me, that I was a total failure, that I was just this miserable worm of a human being that couldn't be a good husband, couldn't be a good father, couldn't succeed at anything. And I was just hammering on myself, pound, pound, pound. And as I looked at those numbers and I thought about what she was saying to me, Steve, I realized I realized that, wow, actually, I am a child of God, and I have this innate right to grow. I'm not a tree. I'm not a piece of grass. I'm not a rock somewhere. The truth was that 
sure, I had made some mistakes and wasn't that smart at business, but my wife loved me no matter how much money I made. God loved me no matter how much money I made. And I could grow and I could change. And I knew that I could grow faster than that 280000 right? Like somehow, somewhere, if I kept trying, I would figure this out. And so with this newfound perspective, I dove back into marketing, back into my phone calls. That was toward the end of January. I marketed the rest of January, all of uh, February. And in March, I got an opportunity to talk to a guy named Tim Sawyer at Corel Corporation. He was the global vice president of marketing. And I want to tell you another quick story so you see that there is something else here. And by the way, the moral of this last story was that sometimes we live in a world where we imagine stuff. And oftentimes the things that we imagine in our heads, we get squirreled and wound up in our own heads. And almost always those things are false. It's not truth. It's not the way things really are. I'm not good. Oh, I'm just a new writer. Like, who would want to hire me? Oh, I have to have all these samples to get hired. And I can't get samples unless somebody hires me. So, like, ergo, I'm stuck, right? Or we we get rejected by a client. We think, ah, my writing's never going to be good. Or we go out there and we market ourselves and we get a bunch of clients and they don't pay very well. And then we're like, oh, there's not really money in this writing thing anyway. Or I don't even know, like, what are they talking about? Like, is there really a lifestyle here? Maybe just for a few elite, couple of elite special ones, but not me. Because we're charging pennies for the work, right? And so we get these ideas rolling in our head that just aren't true. And if you're listening to this and you're, if you've got the lifestyle that you want to have, you're taking your writing skills and turning them into a great lifestyle, then my message isn't for you today. I, my hat's off to you, pat you on the back, you're doing awesome. If you're a beginner writer or you're an experienced writer, then I want you to think really carefully about what I'm telling you here because inside of understanding the way things really are is the seed for your success. There's that old saying, the old scripture that says that come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And nowhere is that more true than in writing, because here's the reality. There are a ton of clients out there. There are clients that will pay an enormous amount of money for your writing skill. You can grow and become better as a writer, and your outcomes are not attached to your value. No matter how rich you get, no matter how great you write, no matter how bad you write, you have intrinsic value that is untouchable and eternal. So that's right. That's right. It's so true. And I had to come to grips with that before I could really grow. So anyway, back to my story with Tim Sawyer. I got on the phone with Tim Sawyer. And the first thing Tim and I did was we talked for about 45 minutes about winter sports. Now, how the heck did that happen? Like, where did that even come from? Well, I had done some research. And I want you to listen to this very carefully because I didn't just blindly call I knew that people always respond to things that are important to them. Not important to me. I learned that lesson. The reason I totally fumbled the ball and messed up the writing assignment for that major newsletter publisher was because I wanted to write it my way. I was the smart guy. I was going to do it the way I was comfortable with. I was going to use the techniques I thought were going to be the best. And in reality, I should have been focusing on what the client wanted and what they had validated and what they thought was best and what they needed and what their hopes and dreams and goals and aspirations are. And I had learned that lesson really, really well. And so when I called up and talked to Tim Sawyer, I had done research on him and I found out he and his family loved, I read an article that he'd done an interview and I read an article about how much they love winter sports. 
And I love skiing and skating and snowshoeing and winter sports, uh, snow caving and all kinds of fun stuff. And so we just got talking. I was like, hey, how's the, how's the snow up there? And we talked for a little while, 45 minutes. Finally, he said, so what did you call about? And I said, well, I'm a freelance writer and I'm just I'm looking uh, to be a service to you guys. And I'm wondering if you're, you know, need any help with any of your projects. He says, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't hire people like that. He says, but talk to Bernie and Bernie will help you out. And so he sent an email to Bernie, who is the, the uh, content manager, the project manager. And Bernie and I hit it off as well. And they assigned me on a small project. And I just want to say one other thing here, because it's, it's, bare, it's extremely important in my success. Because I want you to remember this. I never, ever got into writing. Because I wanted to sit at a desk and write for 10 to 12 hours a day. That was never my focus. My focus was I wanted a vehicle that would allow me to work from home, make a lot of money, and have the balance between time and money so I could spend time with my children and have the resources to do cool things with them. Right? Exactly. It's the lifestyle. I always, 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 always wanted the lifestyle. I always wanted, and I have always been focused on that. Not on the wealth, not on any of the other stuff. So long and short of this is, I got that first project. It was about six thousand bucks, fee two hundred dollars, six eight hundred dollars. I think is what that first invoice was that I sent them, and uh, they loved it. They absolutely loved it. They hired me back, but how they hired me back is very interesting. They did not come back to me. I went back to them, and that's when I started a pattern of what I call my endless profit matrix. And basically, what that is is. I sit down and I spend time on each client and I think, what does the client really need? What are they working on? And I ask them questions and I interview them. And I create a spreadsheet. It basically shows, okay, you did this project here, but these are like five or 10 other projects that they could work on. And I create proposals and ideas for them. So then I can go back to them and say, hey, I've been thinking about what we talked about, about this email sequence or this sales letter or this landing page or this white paper or whatever it is. And I think that we can do some really good stuff on that. Would you like a proposal on that? Now, if you're listening right now, would you do me a favor and write that down? I've been thinking about fill in the blank. I think I could help with fill in the blank. Would you like a proposal on that? Now, if you can master, you can get really good at that phrase then you literally, you can go from project to project to project to project. I turned a $6,000 assignment from Corel into a multiple, I think by the time I was done working and doing projects with them, I'd made over a quarter of a million dollars. That's right? one client. With one client. Now, that was over the course of a couple of years, right? But that was one client that started off with a conversation about snow sports and led to an initial $6,000, $6,800 project and turned into hundreds of thousands of dollars. And let me start and the reason point I, out, and Joshua, for the audience, remember, this is one company out of what, 280,000 companies. Can you find exactly, one? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I tell people all the time, look, you do not need a whole bunch of clients. You need one to three really good clients to make some very good money. If you understand how to focus on them See, the, the biggest problem writers at all levels, especially new writers, but writers at all levels, I have found the biggest problem that they have is they are what I call isocentric, so, meaning I-centric. They focus on themselves. I'm not good enough. Can I do this? How much am I going to get paid? I, 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 right? And if they would just flip the switch and they would start saying, oh, 
What's going on in the life of that marketing director? I'll tell you a great example of this. One of the next companies that I picked up as a client was Sony Corporation. They have a media division, software division. And uh, the gal over there was a gal named Cheryl Osengate. And Cheryl and I uh, had a great conversation, but she, their annual, because they're a Japanese company, their annual budget resets in July of every year. So when I first contacted them, it was back in October. So from October to July, I had to figure out a way to keep that communication channel open. And I did it by becoming good friends with Cheryl and finding out about who she was and what she did and found out her boyfriend had cancer and was spending time in the hospital. And she was running back and forth from her office to the hospital and trying to be a caregiver, trying to be a worker, trying to do all this kind of stuff. And so I would find articles um, that some articles or information that had nothing to do with copywriting, nothing to do with that. And I just sent a little note. Say, hey, here's a little article on uh, caring for cancer for loved ones with cancer. And I sent a little article on that. And then we, and then I sent her articles on all kinds of stuff. And I kept the communication channel open. But here's my point about that. And that is, I got to know Cheryl. And I got to know what she needed. And I got to know what projects they were working on. And I got to know what was important to her. And I got to know what was important to her division. And what kinds of stats and data and numbers she was having to report to her boss to make her look good. And I buried myself into figuring out how I could be of service to Cheryl and to Sony. And do you know what's interesting? As I asked those questions and I did those interviews and I probed and pushed and planned and dreamed and schemed with them, do you know what's amazing? Never once in that did they, what's your background? What have you done? What do you need this? Because I was so busy focusing on them and they were so excited telling me about it. They never knew that this was my second client, like or third client ever, right? I was a brand new writer with no experience at all writing for one of the largest companies in the world. How? I focused on them. People don't do that anymore, Steve. It's not nearly enough. It's all about the customer. It's all about your client. It's about them. It's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So between when I started, kind of wrap up this story, and then you can pepper me with whatever questions. We can go deeper in any of those rabbit holes you want to. But from when I started marketing myself in August until February, March, I guess, of that year, I had made about $9,000 in various little assignments here and there. Now, if you have a family with six children, and a baby on the way, that's not a lot of money, just so you know. For but that's that's, that's not very like, well. <laughs> not that's like nine months, right? That's like that's like so nine months, nine that's that's about a thousand dollars a month, and that's not a really good pay, right? <laughs> so but then in the in the subsequent three months after that, between Corel, Sony, Toshiba, Verizon, AWAI, a division of Agora. In the next three and a half months, I made an additional, uh, we can do the math, but like $86,000, $85,000. In less than a year, I'd made over $103,000 in my first year. Now, $103,000 at the time, because remember, my family system was $50,000 was rich. And then I made $103,000 in a year. And I thought like, it was going to be like me and Rockefeller sitting on the deal. Like, I was loaded, baby, right? <laughs> And I come to find out that that's not actually that much money, especially we went on to have numbers, you know, child number seven, and then eight, and then nine, and then 10, and then 11. And when you multiply everything by 11, then, you know, life gets more expensive. 
just in lots of multifaceted ways. But the point there is, is that I figured out in a relatively short period of time, a couple secrets in, in uh, building a writing business. One of them was you got to stay focused. Like I needed to be focused. I, people are not very excited about cold calling. I wasn't excited about cold calling. I almost threw up at the end of the first day of making cold calls. I spent four days in my office staring at the phone, doing nothing, just looking at the phone, knowing I was going to have to call somebody. So it wasn't glamorous. I didn't really like it, but I stayed focused. I was diligent with it. Now, you can be diligent with content marketing and win. In fact, I've got students right now that are using a very specific pattern of content marketing combined with LinkedIn and Facebook um, to crank out amazing retainer deals. I got a call a couple of days ago from one of my students named Deb. She was so excited because she that morning, she had closed the deal, initial fee of $10,000, and then a monthly retainer on a 12-month agreement that was going to make her well into the six figures from one client. And they had approached her based on content that she had written in this process that we um, do. We can talk some more about that if you'd like. But if you'll consistently do it and focus, magic happens. It's when you jump from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing that things go haywire. The analogy in my mind is that if you plant a tomato seed, and as soon as that little hummer sprouts, you go rip it out of the ground and say, where's my tomato? Right? You're never going to get tomatoes. You have to let it grow and nurture and germinate and develop and finally put some fruit on. And then if you take care of it, that'll produce fruit, you know, over and over and over again for you. So you got to stay focused. Second thing is you got to see things as they really are. And, you know, I iterated some of those truths that I think are really important for writers to understand. And the last one that I found is very important, and that is you got to focus on the client. Zig Ziglar responded saying you can get anything in life that you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. And I have found that to be totally true. I found the golden rule to be true that if I do unto others as I would have them do to me, if I focus on them, if I help them feel important, if I meet their needs, if I get involved in their dreams and their goals. And by the way, all of these marketing directors, these content managers, these people that you are trying to sell your services to, they are human beings. They got messy lives, they got aches, they got pains, they've got tears going on, the cancer's happening somewhere in their world. They've got all kinds of stuff they're dealing with, and they've got dreams and goals and hopes and joys and aspirations, and they're, they're wrestling with faith, and they're wrestling with all kinds of stuff, and they're like, they're human just like you and I are. And if you can see them like that and love them and figure out what you can do for them to lighten their burden and to be of service to them, Everything else falls into place. It really does. So, yeah, I like anyway, that a lot. That's, that's, I my, like your... that's my initial story. That's my initial story in a nutshell, Steve. Uh, well, Josh, Ron, I love the uh, the analogy you just gave of the tomato plant, too. And, and here's the thing about a tomato plant. First of all, you got to have a seed. You need to plant it. You need to water right. it. Like you said, you yeah. have to nurture it. If you keep yanking it out of the ground, it's, it's not going to grow. <laughs> and I've done that like you. I've, I went through multiple business iterations and, and failed and failed and failed. Amway and others among among them on my own, trying to be a computer programmer, building my own software development business, all kinds of different things that I've tried and been failed miserably at. And the thing is, is many of those I did not either plant the proper seed, I did not water, did not nurture. 
And those shoots of the tomato plant, the branches going out to give you the tomatoes, your harvest, those are reaching out to others. Those are reaching out yeah. and saying, hey, on that branch, here's a tomato. That, that's, that's your client who you're helping, the real live person at the other end of the telephone, the other end of the email that you're speaking to, that you're making a difference in their life. And if you don't make a difference in somebody's life, why would they pay you? That's you're right. here to provide value to somebody. And that value can be provided in many different ways. But in the end of the day, you bring value to someone and you are valuable, which is why you can deliver value. But you have to see that in yourself right. first. And I, I like what you said about, you know, earlier in your story about the sense of depression and feeling stuck. And that's so many, so many solopreneurs, especially because they are out there in the world. And I mean, that's how I was before I met you. I was just here in my little corner, stuck in a cubicle job that I hated. And can I ever really make this? I had this big dream, but nothing was happening. I had to take a step and then another step. And I need to, honestly, sometimes you need to maybe reach out and get some help from somebody. And, and Joshua right. was one of those people who became a mentor to me. And, and today you help a lot of people. I mean, you have a new website that you're helping many people. You mentioned one of your coaching students. And what Joshua does is he, he does very well. He's, he's an expert in helping people who want to have the kind of lifestyle that he and I enjoy, or even beyond, accomplish those goals. And he's created a path. If you will be willing to follow it, you can have what's in front of you. But you have to, obviously, you have to follow the path. If you sit there and open a door and say, okay, that looks nice, and you close the door, you're not going anywhere. You have to open a door and step through and start walking down that path. And what Joshua and, and what this whole show is about is showing different path opportunities, showing how you can open that door, showing a path that you can walk down and giving you guides to allow you to safely walk down that path without stumbling over the obstacles that many of us have stumbled over going before you. And that's the whole goal of solopreneur success is that you can have that. And so, Joshua, I'd love if you could maybe take a few minutes and tell us about what you do with your clients, because you're a fantastic coach. I mean, you're a wonderful uh, speaker. I've seen you many times on stage. What I really love about you is, is you really are personal to people one-on-one, -on -one, and you make a tremendous difference in the lives of the people you touch. I would wonder if you could maybe tell us what you actually do today. What is a big part of, of your life and, and how you're helping writers specifically? But I, I would say that even those who are not writers, you can glean some good truths from this. But what are you doing today and how are you helping people today? Yeah, thank you. So focus my attention because I've got lots of different, I got my fingers in a lot of pies. So let's focus on what I do specifically to help writers and other solopreneurs that are the biggest surface need that I see is how do I get the clients? I mean, we all hear like, oh, there's some of the clients out there. They're willing to pay. And it's like, okay, that's great. But where are they? Where are these people? How do you get a hold of them? And it's crazy because I'm in, a pay, I'm in a spot in my life right now that I know the marketing directors and the content managers. I know their minds so well in dozens of different niches and industries that I know the process of closing them and how to research and reach out to them that literally almost on demand, like you say, okay, Joshua, go get a client in fill in the blank niche. And within seven to 10 days, I can have a client probably on retainer. And I'm not saying that's a brag. I'm just saying 
I've been doing this long enough and I've focused long enough on the client getting aspect of it because what I've realized is you can be a moderately good writer, like a C-level, if we, an A was a top-level writer, you could be a C-level writer and you can win and make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at this business. If you have a way to automatically pull clients into your world, get them convinced that they can trust you with their name and with their writing projects and with if you're a solopreneur outside of the writing world with any other thing, the process works exactly the same. Help them to see that you're a professional, that you're an expert in that world, close the deal, and then upsell and cross-sell them. In other words, maximize that experience. I tell people all the time, the very best marketing you can do is by servicing your current clients because a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush every day, right? So I've developed a very simple five-step process that does exactly that, that helps people go from no clients or clients that they that are not servicing them and meeting their dreams and hopes and goals well. Because in all of this, I've re- stayed totally true to my dream of creating the lifestyle, not just finding clients, not just getting money, but having the lifestyle. Having that where you've got where you've got money coming in consistently and you're able to spend time on things that matter most to you. And that's really what my focus is. So I've got a five-step process, focuses on in what I call inbound marketing. How do you get people attracted to you so you're not always chasing them down, let them chase you. And you establish what your vision is. I can tell you what the five steps are. You establish what your vision is. You establish a content focus. Like, what's your vision? Who are you going after? Create a content calendar create an online presence, and then create ongoing patterns or rhythms, what I call marketing rhythms, so that you can consistently bring those people in without spending a ton of time doing it. For example, one of the processes I teach, you basically dedicate anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours a week to get automated client flow coming in to you and reaching out to you. And the process works amazingly, and you only spend a couple hours a week doing it. The whole, like start to finish the whole process. Is a couple of hours, but it's it's a high leverage process. So I have a number right now in my world. I've got a number of different layers of how people can interact with me. I've got a membership site, copywritermarketer.com. And you can go and check that out. Although I've got a special offer for your listeners, I'll tell you about in a second. But so there's the membership there, and that membership basically I get I unlock four of my programs for you immediately. And then every single month on a very curated, targeted basis, you get another program with emails and targeted training and video services that walks you through each step of the way. I, I've been on this journey and I've been to help literally thousands and thousands of writers. I, I estimated the other day, I think I'm about close to 10,000 writers that I've helped coach or train one way or another through this process. So I've seen the process unfold, right? Inside that membership, you just get that curious thing. And then some people want to have more lifetime and coaching with me. And so I've got what I call my roundtable group, which is a mastermind group. And there's a couple different layers of that, but all of them include some consistent time with me, access to all the membership stuff. And we're basically just here to walk people through that process of either, and two people are ideal for our system. And that is one, you're just starting out, you have zero clients. You maybe don't have great writing skills. You need to beef up your writing skills. You can beef up your market. Like you want to turn this into a lifestyle. Perfect. That is exactly who I service and cater. The second one is somebody who's consistently writing, has got a career in writing, and has a miserable lifestyle, right? 
they're writing and writing and writing and writing and writing, and they're just like, ah! like how much longer do I have to sit at this stupid computer? I want to have a life. And I cater to those people and service them and help them turn that writing skill into a great life. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we do, Steve. Awesome. And you don't have to like sit at the keyboard and just bleed. You could actually get a Band-Aid for that. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I've got 11 children, man. I want to spend time with those guys. I, I want to maximize time with them. So I want to just tell you this. If your listeners want to go create a website where there's a special offer for them called CM, as in copywriter marketers, cmsecret.com. And I've got a free training video. It's not a short little report or something. It's a, uh, it's about 30, 40 minutes of in-depth training on how to get your first client and then to maximize that. And I really tell about all the years that I've done this, I've discovered there's really one central skill set distinguishes writers who win and create an amazing lifestyle and writers that really just struggle, either never getting clients or get clients that just aren't a great fit for their desired dream lifestyle. And so inside of this, um, training. And again, there's nothing to buy. Go to the site, cmsecret.com, and you can get access to all that training. There's a workbook there. There's transcripts of it. I'll give you access to all that stuff. And, and it'll walk you through what that main skill is, how to use it to get your first client, and then how to use it to get ongoing client. And I walk you through a step-by-step process there that you can put to use immediately and uh, start getting some changes in your life. Because that's what this is all about, really. Just so... That's awesome, Joshua. Thank you. I do have a question for you about that. Now, this is a terrific resource for writers. And let's say they have never really considered writing as even a, a new path. Oh. Would this yeah. be appropriate for somebody who's like, wow, that, I never heard about this idea, but I like the sound of it. Would this be appropriate for them or would you direct them somewhere else? No, this would be a great spot because here's the thing. Number one is if you're thinking about doing this as a career, or you're like, oh, I love that lifestyle then we get into the brass tacks of what that actually means in terms of day-to-day operations. And, and you're going to know right away, like, for example, one of the first things I teach new people is about what I call it. It's called an RES content calendar. RES stands for reticular activating system. That's the part of your brain that controls the, it's the gateway between conscious mind and subconscious mind. It's what allows us to pay attention, right? And you think that attention is, the number one commodity in marketing. Like if you can't get their attention and hold it, you're done. You're out of business. There's no way you can market yourself. I teach a process for what's called RES Rich Content Calendar and it allows you to create content that grabs people's attention, pulls them in. Well, in the process of that, you've got to think deeply about what would you talk about and how would you write it and then what would the articles and memes and quotes and stuff look like and how would you structure that? And the process that I walk you through is almost identical to the process you have to walk through to actually service a client. That's why I designed it that way, because in the process of doing it for yourself, you're getting the skill sets you need to service the client, right? So if you're brand new and you're thinking about that, if you watch this training video and watch me walk through that and you go, oh, I would never do that, then you've just identified free of charge. I've helped you identify that this really isn't the right world for you. If, however, you walk through that process and you're like, whoa, that's super fascinating. Like that looks like I could do that. That'd be super cool. I would love doing that. Then you then, man, dive in head first because this is for you and it could really be, it could be a great thing for you. Yeah. So, and so that, the answer is yes. Yeah. And obviously you have to 
follow the path that's right for you. But I have to say, following this writing path for me, this journey has been wonderful. It's enabled very important things in my life. One thing I'm not sure in the show before, but, you know, when I was in IT in a cubicle, I didn't have flexibility for time. And one of the big reasons that I became a copywriter and a writer and have grown from that point is because I wanted to have the ability, like Joshua, to spend time with my family in order to have flexibility. But beyond that, my mother-in-law, she got sick several years ago. And I flew my wife down to see her. And I had the boys and we drove down the truck afterwards. And what we thought would be a one-week trip stretched into six months of helping my mother-in-law. My wife was there helping her through chemotherapy. She had cancer. And I could never do that in IT. I could never do that with many brick and mortar businesses. But with writing, that's a kind of career path you could take anywhere. And yeah. matter of fact, my income increased while I was on the road for six months. Not really on the road, but I was, you know, I was living in my sister-in-law's house for six months while my mother-in-law was going through chemotherapy. And so definitely, if you're still trying to seek what your path would be as a solopreneur, maybe you're just looking at your options, look at this option. And I encourage you to look at Joshua's website, cmsecret.com. And that will be in the show notes. And so if you forget what that is, just go to the show notes. We'll have it on here for you. And I encourage you to take a look at it. Joshua, it's been so wonderful to have you on. It's good to see you again, my friend. And uh, thank you for joining us for the show today. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thanks for the great work you're doing. I know lots of people are benefiting what you're doing and who you are, which is like the most important thing, Steve, is who you are just resonates. And I, I just, again, applaud you and honor you. It's really cool. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can download the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 044. And guess what? If you're a member of my free Solopreneur Success Connections community, you can also download the full transcript with the press of a button inside our members area. It's a brand new members-only benefit I wrote out to the community just this week. If you're not a member yet, you'll find the link to join free on the show notes page. Again, this episode's show notes can be found at solarpreneurcoach.com forward slash 044. Thank you for listening.